Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I know you've all been waiting for me to break down the games this weekend, and we're going to have a real expert in to talk about that. But you ready? Here we go. The Chief Ravens game was a defensive slugfest. I was definitely surprised by the low score, especially considering the offensive firepower both teams possess. The Chiefs built a 17-0 lead in the first half. Um, thank you to Mahomes' magic and Kelsey's monster performance. But the Ravens' defense clamped down on the second half, shutting out Kansas City and nearly pulling off a stunning comeback. Lamar Jackson had his moments, but costly turnovers and penalties ultimately did the Ravens in. Taylor Swift was not suited up for this game, but she did garner a lot of airtime. So the question becomes, Brian Murphy, how did I do? Um, I was about to drop the cell phone and go back to my business. I thought that yeah. was as good of a summary as you could find. Now, what about the <laughs> NFC game? Though? Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, hold on, hold on. Um, I understand the pain of a blown lead. The Lions' collapse against the 49ers was epic, a real gut punch for Detroit fans. They were cruising with a 21-point lead in the third quarter, but then everything went haywire. The 49ers' defense stiffened, Purdy found his groove, and the Lions' offense sputtered like a faulty engine. Got through a costly pick six, and Detroit's special teams' magic vanished. It was a masterclass in how to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I'm not sure I have much to add here. Uh, you were going to talk about Amazon Prime? No, I mean, that was very, I mean, that was as succinct and as detail-oriented as either summary could be. Fantastic. Well, that is very kind. We can thank Google Bard. You know, I don't know any about what I just said. I just oh, you put, put it, it in into the Google. dialogue yeah. machine, huh? <laughs> yes, and I asked AI uh, what I was supposed to say about both of those games. And yes, of course, we can break it down. But, but Brian, you're from Detroit. Do you have allegiance to the Lions? And how did you feel about the game? Yeah, I mean, it's grown over the past few weeks as the momentum has grown with, with this team. And I'm obviously in touch with family and friends back home who, are, yeah. who were extremely excited. Um, I personally am not that devastated. Uh, I think there's a little more anger and, and um, disappointment than there is devastation just in the text change that I've been on over the last 12 hours, mainly because I think it, it's it's viewed as a game the Lions had in hand and lost as opposed to just not being able to overcome a superior opponent on the road. You know, a 17-point lead. There were some coaching decisions by Dan Campbell uh, opting to go for it on fourth down twice when they were in field goal range that could have changed the dynamic of that second half. But again, this is Dan Campbell, the aggressive, you know, kneecap biting, chews nails for breakfast, you know, stirs mercury in his coffee. I mean, this is a guy that prides himself on being – aggressive in you know in his day-to-day life and how they've always played on fourth down so it it bit him though this time and it cost them against the superior team that that finally got its act together in the second half so i'm not as disappointed as some folks back home but a lot of people are thinking too that this is an ascending team and you need to build some scar tissue with tough defeats along the way 
I'm sure Vikings fans would say, hold my beer on that. But um, it, it, I, I don't feel like this was a, a lost moment forever. I think it was maybe this, you know, uh, a hiccup and as part of a longer journey, I guess. Is the there Lions. some kind of is there some kind of conspiracy that the Chiefs have to go to the Super Bowl because nobody wants to see this Travis Kelsey uh, Taylor Swift romance end too soon in the season? I mean, is there any kind of conspiracy that we need Taylor at the Super Bowl? Well, I'm sure it, it's it's outstanding for the world of marketing and brand marketing yes. and the NFL yes. and pop culture that. Taylor Swift will be in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl to cheer on her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. As for a wider, grander, all-encompassing conspiracy that the league orchestrated this, um, I don't think so because that would have meant the Baltimore Ravens were in on it because, frankly, they were awful yesterday, especially early on. Uh, you know, look, the Baltimore's quarterback, Lamar Jackson, he's poised to win his second most valuable player. I mean, he's phenomenal, but the Ravens, Looked awful from the start. They were undisciplined the rest of the way, whether it was penalties, turnovers, or just their overall demeanor. They were the number one seed. They had home field advantage. The Chiefs, obviously, defending champs, been to the Super Bowl for the five last four of the last five years. But this was Baltimore's moment, and they dropped the ball, literally and figuratively. And I, I find it, you know, this is what champions do. I mean, champions like Mahomes and Kelsey and the Chiefs, they're grizzled. They're not going to get overwhelmed by the moment. You know, there was this notion that Kansas City couldn't win on the road. Mahomes had never won a road playoff game. Lo and behold, uh, they take care of business in Buffalo. They take care of business in Baltimore. And here you are, uh, a familiar foe back in the in the Super Bowl. So I, I, if there was a conspiracy, it was Baltimore in on it um, by not arriving for their moment. So that's that's where the conspiracy is to me, that Baltimore just didn't show up. Do you make predictions? Do you have a prediction of what's going to happen in the Super Bowl? Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's a long way off. We got two weeks of hype to go. We got injuries to look at. We got matchups to dissect. I don't even know what the early uh, lines are. I'm sure there's one out there in Vegas. Uh, I'm guessing San Francisco would be a slight favorite just because they have the, the, the better record. It's a rematch of Super Bowl 54 just four years ago, which the Chiefs won. You know, this is for the 49ers. I mean, they're going for their sixth Super Bowl title, which would tie them with New England for the most overall, but they haven't won one since 1994. Mm-hmm. Kansas City, as we said, fourth time in five years. They're going for the first back-to-back championships since the Patriots about 20 years ago. So there's plenty to look at. Um, these are two solid teams. I'm looking forward to an entertaining game. As for right now, I'd say that probably the, the slight edge just on paper would go to the 49ers. Hmm. Now, we did – thank you for listening, by the way, because we were having a conversation before you came on about how Amazon Prime is upping its fee for $3 if it wants to stay ad-free or else they're just going to force us to watch ads. Now, I used to be married to a, a rabid football fan, and we used to have three TVs going at the same time because, you know, we're from New Jersey, and we would get the NFL Sunday ticket – 
and he'd have like three different games on. So how are people viewing football and what do they pay? Because I remember the NFL Sunday ticket was hundreds of dollars every year. It was on direct TV. So do people still pay that much to watch different games in different parts of the country? And how, what are those viewing habits like for, for football fans? Well, I think if you look at the, the, the proliferation of, of fantasy football over the last 25 years and now mm-hmm. the mass legalization of sports gambling that is kind of taking over the country, um, there is a desire, an insatiable desire to be able to view all games at all times. So there is, you mentioned the Sunday ticket is a package DirecTV's had for years where you can watch any game. There's also the red zone where you pay a fee to basically bounce around to games as they're in scoring position. As, as teams are, are driving down the field, you have a potential to see scoring plays. That's feeding the appetites of fans who are, want to know if their running back is going to score on this particular drive or if their quarterback is going to get uh, more points, if, if their defense is going to hold up, if it's going to go down to a field goal or not. It kind of, um, it kind of feeds the... Uh, you know, our, our narrowing attention spans in some ways. Yes, but also it, only it, the good it, plays. Yeah, yeah it, it, it allows you to not only track your individual uh, desires and, and investments on, on a game from a snap-to-snap basis, but it allows you to, to avoid commercials if you want um, and, and just zip around and always have a game on, but you're not watching the same game all the time. I've done that. I've had variations of all the packages over the years, I'm just content now to just kind of watch my my noon game, my three game, my seven o'clock game, see some highlights. But for the rabid fan who needs all access all the time, um, there's no shortage of opportunities to watch football from noon to 10 p.m. on a Sunday for 18 weeks a year. And, you know, obviously, DirecTV used to charge a whole lot of money. This red zone, I mean, that's a paid service, right? Yes, it is. It's a specific product you can subscribe to. Yeah, this I, and it. I, I look, football fans love it, so they're willing to pay the price. And I guess that's true of of streaming. And let me get back to my original question. And thank you for that education about viewing football. Um, when you watch streaming, do you expect it to be ad free? Are you willing to pay three more dollars for you know Prime to be ad free, or are we all reverting back to? Sure, we pay for streaming, uh, and now we're just going to sit through the commercials. I guess it depends on what the program is. I mean, for me and my viewing habits, I've always been a big HBO fan, so obviously I've mm-hmm. been conditioned to watch dramas and comedies commercial-free because I'm paying for that service. Uh, I'm conditioned on Netflix to watch either movies or documentaries or docu-series without ads. Um, I'm conditioned to, to rent for what, three ninety nine, four ninety five, whatever I want on Amazon Prime. Now, if we're talking mm-hmm. um, episodic television, I'm probably more willing to tolerate commercials because I have my entire life. Um, but if mm-hmm. we're talking dramatic series that are premium television, you know, I'm talking the houses of House of Cards, and and, all, yeah. and we can go down all the Netflix series and all the. Uh, Hulu series and, and mm-hmm. FX and AMC, you know, I, I am more, I am less willing to pay for or watch commercials when I'm getting my drama on, if that makes sense, than I would be no, totally. if, if I was watching a, a standard 22 minute sitcom. Um, totally. Give me the commercials. That's fine. And it's like, really guys, this is what, this is why we pay. 
Like HBO started this by, all right, we'll take your money, but we'll take away the ads. Now they're saying, we'll take your money and we'll give you ads. I'm just, I'm annoyed by it because they're already getting our money and now they just want more. So just supply and demand. I do feel like we're on our way to an a la carte world in the, in the television viewing industry. I hope mm. sometime soon, whether it's sports, entertainment, news, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need 500 channels. I'm not going to watch. Just give me the 50 that I love and I'll pay for right. them and I'll find right. a way to make it work in my budget. I don't, I think we're closer to that than maybe we were a few years back. Um, I think it's just what the audience is going to dictate what the marketplace becomes. Mm-hmm. Brian Murphy from Purple Insider, and bring me the news. Anything you're working on that you want to plug? No, I'm actually taking a breather right now and trying to concentrate on my home life and my real job. (laughs) Excellent. Well, oh, thank you for the time today. Really appreciate it. And thank you for my critique of my Google Bard uh, very weak effort at my uh, Jordana does the NFL. Thank you, Brian. No problem. Take care, Jordana. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.